Hello, everyone, and welcome back to It Gets Better, the podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Adkinson, and I have missed you. So I have been in Paris for the past five weeks, and I pre-recorded before we went. It's now been about six weeks since I've sat down to record, and I feel like we have a lot to catch up on. So today's episode is actually going to be all about romanticizing your life, but I think for today, I'm actually going to start with a pretty long intro with a bunch of talking about my trip in Paris, um, what we love, but I'm also going to tell you a few funny story times because I figured... I just want to tell you, okay? And I'm not sure where else to share this stuff. So I figured we'd catch up. So where to begin? I guess I'll explain a little bit of why we are in Paris for so long. So Noah and I have always kind of romanticized the idea of living outside of the U.S. We've always thought that one, at some point in our life, we'd love to live abroad for like a couple of years. It's just not really something feasible for us right now, like financially or just like functionally or just like it would just it just wouldn't happen right now, which is totally okay. Totally okay. You never know in the future. But Noah got an opportunity with his company. They have an office out in Paris to kind of go and, you know, do like a little hybrid there, work remote some and then work from the office some. And we thought that was a really awesome opportunity. They've done that before. They've offered some people the chance to go and help out in their Dublin office as well. And um, if we ever got that opportunity, I would also say yes. I mean, it'd have to be a while from now because I'm really glad to be home and like be back in our space, be with the dogs. But if in a, if in a few years from now they offered, we would totally, that'd be so cool. But we got the opportunity and we thought absolutely. So the dogs went and stayed at Noah's parents. We had considered bringing them with us, but when we looked at like the logistics, it just didn't seem fair to them because obviously we're going to be out roaming throughout the day and exploring because Noah would Noah would be still, sometimes he was working East Coast hours and sometimes he was working Paris hours, which was a little confusing depending on the day. But the days that he was working East Coast hours, he didn't have to start working till like 6 p.m. at night. So we'd spend the whole day out and the times that he was working Paris hours, we'd spend the night out exploring. So it was kind of like back and forth, but it kind of worked out um, where that way I could still do my work and it kind of made it more livable because if you're going to be somewhere for five weeks, it's kind of impossible to run all day every day. You'd be so tired. So that way we still had enough time to rest and just kind of experience like what it's like to kind of live in Paris. That's kind of what it felt like. But anyway, so did I, I don't know if I finished saying the dogs went to Noah's parents because we knew we'd be out and about a lot. We didn't want that to be like unfair to them if we weren't home enough. And Noah's parents have so much room and they loved it. <laughs> they had so much fun. So that was really, really kind and generous of them to do that. I know that's what we obviously if we didn't have that option, we probably wouldn't have been able to do it um, unless we had brought them with us. But either way, so we went to Paris for five weeks and it was really cool. We did not stay in like the city center or near like the super like happening tourist area if that makes sense we didn't stay super close to the Eiffel Tower or anything so we actually stayed in a really small area on the outskirts of Paris and I am so glad we did that it was calm it was quiet I forgot what it was like to go to sleep without like all that noise outside and like be in a room that actually gets dark that was crazy um but I have so many stories from Paris and I figured this would be the best place to share it because I doubt you guys wanted to see like, you know, a 40 page long story over on my Instagram. So I thought I would share a few of them with you here. Now, let me start off by saying we had an amazing time. By no means am I complaining about my trip. I just felt like I have I have to share these things. Whenever you go on a trip, there's going to be wild things that happens because you're learning things, you're figuring stuff out. Like no trip is perfect. However, on Instagram and TikTok, 
sometimes it can look like the trip is perfect. I got so many DMs like, oh my gosh, your trip is perfect. And I just didn't have a way to like express like, actually this happened and this happened and this happened, but it was still amazing. So we went to Paris for the main part of five weeks. We had a big, not a big, we had a small Airbnb on the outskirts of Paris. Um, it was a studio with like a nice kitchen and a bathroom and a really beautiful balcony. The balcony was my favorite part of the entire thing. Our only complaint about the Airbnb is uh, it was a long-term ster- long stay Airbnb. They would only rent for like a month at the the smallest. Um, is that it didn't have like an actual bed. It only had a futon. And on the listing, it said it came with a queen bed. It actually came out with came with a futon that folded out to a full-size bed. And Noah's six foot three. So it was, it was rough in the middle of the futon just had this like big metal bar in it because it like would like bend to fold up and down. If you know what I'm talking about, those like bendable ones, not like a pull out. Um, so when you would lay on it, the middle of it was like very unsleepable because of this heavy metal bar. And then the rest of it was fine, but yeah, not the most comfortable sleep for five weeks, but we still really liked the place that we got. And I did love being on the outskirts every single, not every single day, every few days we'd walk to the grocery store and get our groceries. Um, and we had like our own, like our local grocery store we got used to going to. We had like our local, I, I don't know if they're called bodegas there, but bodega, AKA like a little gas station that doesn't sell, like a convenience store. We had like our local convenience store we would go to and we like kind of got to know some of the people. Um, one thing Noah and I did is we did learn a little bit of French before we went. And I have to say that is my biggest biggest advice everyone was saying that to me before I went people would say like oh like you there's like the stereotype that people in France are rude and I actually did not experience that I found I found everyone to be pretty polite however my hairstylist was one of the people who said no like French people are polite if you learn a few things in French she's like even if you just learn to say hello and like thank you you know just like simple phrases in French, they're going to be extremely polite. She said it's just, it's probably frustrating for them all day long because Paris is such a tourist area um, for people who speak English, for people to come in constantly trying to speak English to them and just to expect everyone in Paris to speak English. Now, she did say, you know, most people do. It's just kind of a courteous thing in their culture to like say hello first um, and thank you or something, at least trying in French. And we, we also learned the phrase like, do you speak English? So we would pretty much go into any establish and say like, hello, do you speak English? English, except we'd say in French. I'm not saying that here because I know that my French probably sounds horrible and I know you guys are going to rag me for it. Noah's is pretty good. He was, he really practiced and I feel like he got pretty good at his French, but um, I felt, felt like that made it really, really manageable because everywhere we went, like if they didn't speak English, they'd like pull out their phones and we'd like type back and forth or we, if it was like a restaurant, we'd just kind of point at everything. Um, but overall, I feel like we got pretty comfortable Um by the end, which was really cool. Anyways, we had a great time. I really loved it. Um, but I, there was, there were a few story times that I just wanted to tell you. Number one. Oh, I didn't even finish telling you. God, I can go on so many tangents. So while we were in Paris, so yes, we were there for five weeks and we had an Airbnb, but three of the weekends we decided to do weekend trips. The first two weekends we didn't go anywhere. And then the third weekend we went to Lisbon for the weekend. And the next weekend we went to the South of France. We went to Nice And then we explored, I think it's called Ezzy, and then Menten. And 
And then the last weekend before we went home, we went to Amsterdam. So I have a few story times. Um, first one, it was in south of France. So everyone who's like, oh, it looks so perfect. Well, just so you know, we took, oh, let me, let me tell you, take the trains. The trains are so good. Everyone was telling me how expensive it was to go to south of France because you have to rent a car and they're pretty expensive. We looked into it and we almost thought we weren't going to be able to do it because it was so expensive. Noah and I are massive train people. I think because we got pretty comfortable with like, the subway here in New York. Let me tell you, if you go to Paris or if you've already been and you haven't taken the, the train, I don't know if it's like called a train or a subway there, um, it is really great. It is just as just the same as the New York one, if not a lot easier. It is It was very clean compared to the New York train station or subway stations. And I thought it was pretty easy to get around, even though obviously all the stops are in French. If you just put your destination in your Google Maps there, just like you would here, it'll tell you which station to get on at and which station to get off at. So it was pretty simple. And I actually took the train a few times by myself when Noah would work a few times. And I don't really, I don't do that. I do it some here in New York. Lately, I've been taking the bus or I walk a lot. But in Paris, I felt really comfortable just taking the train by myself, which is really cool. And it actually really inspired me to get back on my game of taking the train here because you forget when you don't have a car anymore how important it is to be able to get around by yourself where in New York I feel like I sometimes miss out on all the different parts of New York because I feel like I kind of stick to my area not because I mean to but because sometimes I just don't want to have to figure out like where I'm going to get on and where I transfer but doing that for a month because obviously in Paris I'm like oh I got to take in every ounce of Paris so I've got to do that and that kind of goes back to what this topic's going to be about for romanticizing because I live in New York City and there's plenty of people who are like, oh no, I'm going to New York. I'm going to learn how to take the train so I can go to all these parts of New York. It made me think about all the times that like maybe Noah can't do something that day or I don't have a friend to do something and I want to go to Soho or I need to buy something like that. I don't go by myself because I tend to wait until I have someone to take the train with me or if I'm meeting someone to take the train. And if not, because usually in every area of New York, you have the things you need. Like there's, a, I have a doctor's office. If I need to go to the doctor. I have a grocery store. You know, I have a Starbucks. I have plenty of local coffee shops. I have a bookstore. Like I have all the stuff that I need. It's just like going to the other areas, which is something you'd think like I should be doing more of. But I'm getting a, lot, a little off topic, but I will say the train stations in Paris were really great. I really, really recommend them. Uh, it took a little of learning, but after that, you're like, wow, this is really convenient and so much cheaper. I think it's like $1.75 per ride. So that's really affordable compared to a taxi um, or Uber there. So 10 out of 10. And then we also took the reason I was saying train is we took the train to south of France and we actually ended up taking the train to Amsterdam, Amsterdam as well. You have to look into it. I don't I don't think it, it wasn't a dollar ninety five, obviously, to train all the way down to south of France. But compared to the flights, the flights, I don't I can't remember off the top of my head. I wish Noah was here for me to ask him, but because I think he has it written down somewhere. But the flight to south of France was pretty pricey but then we took the train instead it was very fast and I think we were I think it was five hours and because we'd also look at, looked into a flight and we also looked into booking a car um, the train was faster than the car it was I think it was nine hours of a drive don't hold me to that if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure it's a nine hour drive versus like five and a half almost six hours on the train and the train had a little food convenient cart in the middle it has bathrooms it's comfortable there's wi-fi the entire time so we literally just got on the train at like 5 30 in the morning and we just watched movies had a bunch of snacks and then we got to Nice uh, by noon or before noon so 
yeah, if you are in Paris, definitely recommend taking the train. We also took the train to Amsterdam and that was three hours, I believe. I think I believe it was like three hours. Watch me be wrong, but I think it is. And that was really, really nice as well. I really recommend the train station. I've said that a million times. Okay, let me move on. So the first thing is when we got to South of France and we did ride the train there. Well, I, I knew it was going to be really hot in South of France, so I decided to wear shorts on the train. I wasn't going to wear jeans or pants. Well, the seats of the train station were like a fake leather, like a pleather type plasticky leather seat. So, you know, my legs got a little sweaty. And by the time that we were like getting off the train and we were in South of France, the, like, the back of my legs were so itchy. Like, they were so itchy and uncomfortable. Like, I was, like, sweaty and kind of gross. Like, I had to go and, like, wipe myself in between, like, like where, where your butt cheek meets your leg. You know what I'm talking about? I had to lift it up and wipe a few times in the bathroom. This is so TMI. And I realized when I got to the hotel, it was so itchy. And by the next day, I had a massive rash all down my butt in the back of my leg. And so I had to go into the pharmacy the first day and I was like trying to tell her what I needed and you could tell she had no idea what I was asking for. And so I literally just like pointed at my butt and then did a motion of me scratching. But obviously before she gave me the cream, she wanted to see it um, just to make sure it wasn't anything contagious. And she did check it out and confirmed it was indeed a heat rash, um, which is good because it wasn't contagious or anything. It did clear up pretty quickly in just a few days, but I will say it's really uncomfortable. And it's just, it was kind of a reminder, like when you see someone who like has any sort of marks or like something that may look strange to you or uncomfortable or just looks different to you, like not to stare, not to like make them feel uncomfortable because I felt that like I would definitely never be the type to see someone with something that looks different to me or like that I had you know just something on their body and like point and laugh but people did that a few times to me that you I would see people like point like when we were at the beach club because all your chairs are kind of close together in rows I saw a few people point and then like talk to the person next to them and I couldn't tell if maybe they thought like I had sat in something and maybe they were trying to figure like oh should we tell her she has something on her butt (laughs) because it you know it was a rash Um, and some people looking at me like maybe there was something wrong with me and I'm like that is kind of rude you know but I also understand maybe they were worried but I was sticking to myself okay I had my cream I had my hydrocortisone cream that I was putting on my rash every couple of hours you're only supposed to put it on two three times a day I may have overused it a little bit Um, but yeah that was story time number one so if you're wondering why I didn't post a lot of swimsuit pics in south of France it's because your girl had a butt rash wasn't cute but it's gone we're good Story time number two. We went to Lisbon. This is actually a scary one. Now, let me say we really liked Lisbon. It was such a beautiful city. Everyone is very friendly. I love, I don't know if it's considered a super walkable city, but for us, it felt really walkable. We did tell someone at one of the restaurants that we walked the whole city the first day and he looked at me like we were crazy but it was like two hours of walking like we walked all the way to one side in an hour and all the way back in an hour Um, but we got to see everything so I really feel like walking a city can be so fun obviously you're exhausted by the end but I don't know New York has kind of made where we've just become super walky people and now when I look at the prices of like an uber and a taxi I'm like "Mm, an hour I'll walk it like I don't know what it is and we we just felt like it was such a pretty city we got so many good desserts I I I can't even explain to you okay the desserts were where it was at okay but on to the story time before I say this let me begin by sharing that I've heard or from what I've seen Lisbon has a really hopping is that a term anymore a really big nightlife scene they have a lot of really nice 
restaurants and bars and clubs and it seems like people really enjoy the nightlife there the reason i'm mentioning that is because i do feel like there's a big possibility that the fact there's a big nightlife scene might have contributed to this story time meaning what seemed like a really scary encounter to us could have just been someone's drunken mistake and it just seemed scarier than it was because it was in the middle of the night And I am sharing that disclaimer because I don't want this story time to deter anyone from going to Lisbon because other than this one little incident, I have to say we felt incredibly safe the entire time we were in Lisbon. I definitely would go back still and I definitely would recommend it to anyone. So we are sleeping the very first night in our Airbnb and we wake up at three in the morning to someone, I hear like a light knock. And at first I thought maybe something fell over or like just like, you know, the apartment creaking or something. It was an older place. Very cute though. And I woke Noah up and then he was like listening with me. And then all of a sudden you hear another knock. And slowly over the next 10 minutes, the the knocks were spaced out every few minutes. It got louder and louder. And then we realized eventually, obviously, they were banging on our door. Someone was banging on our door at three in the morning. At first it started really soft. And then it got louder and then it became like a loud bang. Like they were really trying to get our attention. We were so scared. We were just, I think we were both so frozen and it was three in the morning that we didn't know what to do. And so we just stayed there. Now the door actually did have a peephole. However, our Airbnb, so it was an Airbnb inside of an apartment complex. And to get into the apartment complex, you had to have key number one. To get into our unit, you had to have key number two and key number three. So basically you had to have three different keys to get into our unit. So it did feel very safe, meaning we did recognize that for someone to be knocking on our door, they must have had a key to the building unless someone had somehow left it unlocked, but it was a pretty big key lock. So you, so you wouldn't have been able to like break in anyway, or maybe you could and I'm just naive, but I was thinking to myself like they must have had a key to get in the building, which did make me feel better. And again, our door did have a peephole However, we were kind of just kind of frozen in fear and too afraid to get up and make any noise because our thought was like, let's just stay really still and hopefully they'll go away. And because our door had two door, our unit had two doors to get through, we would have had to open the first door to look out the peephole to see if someone was out there or to see who was out there. And neither of us wanted to take the chance of them knowing we're home just to see who's out there. So we decided to just completely stay quiet and stay still. Um, eventually it stopped and we did hear footsteps but we couldn't tell if they were going up or if they were going down and the weird part is no one ever said anything that's what scared us is because we tried to tell ourselves okay maybe this was someone that was knocking on the wrong door like we said the nightlife scene maybe someone went out and they're coming back and they're a little drunk and they didn't realize they were on the wrong floor and they're knocking on our door by accident if that makes sense Like they thought maybe they're on the first floor or the third floor. I don't know. But I would think if I was banging on the door in the middle of the night, like if Noah was sleeping, I'd be like, Noah, it's me. Hey, Noah, wake up. Like I know it's loud and I'd be afraid of the neighbors hearing. But if you're already banging on a door, you'd think you'd might as well just be like, Noah, hey, like or whoever they're trying to get. And the fact that they didn't speak at all kind of made me scared just because like they weren't saying anything we both stayed up till about 5 a.m because we were too scared to go back to sleep even though we'd realized whoever it was was gone and then around five we both fell back asleep and yeah we do think that the fact that it was three in the morning kind of kind of had us more like on edge than it would have been if we had been a little more clear-headed you know we're really hoping we're really hoping it was just a drunk person we'll never know 
you know it was really the, the next two nights we were there for three nights the next two nights we were a little scared to sleep but nothing else happened um our airbnb had all five star reviews seems like no one else had ever had an issue but either way lisbon was beautiful i would absolutely go back and i definitely recommend um, but now onto the final story time. Well, this is a lot of speaking today, but this is kind of fun. I have noticed that while I really love this podcast, I don't want it to always be like really serious, like tough topics. Sometimes I just want to be able to chat with you guys. I just want to be like, hey, listen, this is what's going on. <laughs> and maybe you won't be interested in that, but maybe you will. We'll, we'll find out. All right. Last story time. This is the most embarrassing of them all. Then we went to Amsterdam. Let me tell you, I love Amsterdam. I was like, Noah. I want to live here right now. I want to move here today. I need to move to Amsterdam. It is so pretty. The food is so good. The coffee is so good. The architecture, stunning. The people, friendly. I was just in awe. However, our trip did not start start out on the right foot. I say that pun intentionally. So we took the train to Amsterdam. Highly recommend. It was three hours. It was the same type of train we took over to south of France. Very clean. Very quick. Uh, lots of snacks. We brought our own snacks. There was Wi-Fi. 10 out of 10 would recommend. However, when you get off the train station, we had about a 20-minute walk to the other to where our um, hotel was. And when we got off the train station, it seemed like everyone was walking in the same direction and it was a big crowd. Like the train was massive and we weren't the only train getting off there. So we were thinking, okay, well, let's, you know, let's walk on a different street so that we're not walking this crowd of people. And let me also say when I got off the train, I was already dressed cute because I was ready for photos. You know, I was ready. I, I did not know also that the ground of Amsterdam is not always the most stable, meaning it's very cobblestone like streets. Some of the streets are built like of bricks. They're not super even. I would not recommend wearing heels or any kind of crazy shoes. I was wearing loafers with a small heel. That was my big mistake. As soon as we got off, I was like, oh, I'm gonna change my shoes later. And anyway, so we saw this crowd of people all going one way. So we're like, oh, let's go in a different, in a different direction. We knew we just had to go straight, but to get to our hotel, there was lots of twists and turns, but we decided we would just go straight until we got to the general area and then figure out all the twists and turns, if that makes sense. So when everyone was going down this main street, we thought, let's go down a side street just so we're not in the big crowd. What is one thing you think of when you think of Amsterdam, the red light district? Okay, this is, I have no shade, no judgment towards Red Light District. Uh, I'm pretty neutral towards it. I try to be neutral towards things that I don't know enough about. So, however, I will say it was not on our our personal bucket list. I never had like a thought of wanting to go to the Red Light District. It's just not something that I cared to do. But again, no shade, no judgment, not a big deal. Um, if that's your thing. This, however, what is a thing you think about when you think of Amsterdam? You might think of the Red Light District. But let me first say, if you're someone who goes to Am- wants to go to Amsterdam and you're thinking like, oh, I want to go to Amsterdam. Maybe I'm going with kids or I'm not interested in the Red Light District. I will tell you, it is very easy to avoid. Amsterdam is massive. It is big. There's so much to do. Um, Um, I almost forgot red light district existed after you'll see this encounter. You'll see. Um, and also let me say there's, I have no judgment or no shade or anything towards the red light district, but I will say it wasn't on my personal bucket list to go. It wasn't even something we had even talked about. I kind of forgot it was a thing. However, when everyone's walking down this crowded area, I thought let's go down this one other street that I see a few people at that way. We're not walking down an empty street because we're in a new place, but you know, it's less crowded we're walking. It's raining out. It's already raining. It's a little slick. I have heeled shoes on. The ground is uneven and covered. It's like a brick 
type cobblestone street. We're walking. Again, I am not shaming anyone. However, I forgot. I was tired. I had just gotten off a train and without, and I'm also carrying a suitcase. I happen to realize all of a sudden as we're walking, oh, we're in the red light district. And I happened to see something in a window and it just took me by surprise. That was it. It took me by surprise. And when I saw it, I like got nervous. Well, you know when you see something and you don't want to stare? So I like jerked my head real quick and I was carrying a suitcase in one hand and a really heavy purse, my big Pauline Paris bag. You might've seen it on Instagram. There's a lot to it. And I somehow, when I turned, I my purse like smacked, I don't know, my suitcase. And that caused me to like twist my ankle. And then my shoe got caught on the sidewalk and then I completely tumbled from the sidewalk to the ground and I face planted in front of everyone and this was not a small face plant this was like my entire purse was spilling out I was like flat on the ground and when I hit the ground I made a thud and I immediately started to cry so then everyone is staring at me they look they're looking some people are looking at me and laughing there was like some men that were looking and laughing shame on those men the only person i'm shaming today is those men who are looking at someone in pain and laughing all the women were looking at me like they felt like oh man that that looked like it hurt it's definitely like oh those like ooh, you know everyone makes an ooh sound and then noah obviously runs to my side he couldn't get to me in time and he's like shh it's okay it's okay you can cry it's all right i think he was nervous that i got more hurt than i was i did have a pretty later on we when we cleaned me up at the hotel I did have a pretty big bruise on my knee but other than that I had some scraped hands and I was fine however I did full-on toddler cry in the middle of the red light district in Amsterdam and I mean I had my full makeup on so there was mascara running it was like I was trying to wipe it and it was just getting worse and so we just had to buckle it like I just I got up and I was like let's just go I did not want to sit and like cry I mean I was still crying very loudly but I was trying to just like get over it and walk as fast as I can to get out of there just wanted to escape the situation and so I was like no let's just go come on let's just go and he took my suitcase for me we, we walked and the whole time he's trying to console me and I was just humiliated because everyone turned around everyone made a noise they all looked like they pitied me and for the first hour I could not let it go you know when something happens that you're embarrassed about you're trying like at least I do this in my head trying to remedy the situation I was trying to figure out like what went wrong like how I could have handled the situation better in the future and I realized in the end I'm just a human humans trip they fall it happens it's part of life I took a tumble it's okay everyone else who was there on vacation or just there who needed a laugh maybe that's what maybe that was what I was providing the world they were like "Mm, you know maybe some of them were having a really bad day and they're like you know what could be worse could be the girl that just face planted in the middle of the street maybe I made someone's day you know but either anyways that was my third and final story so I had one story of fear one of humiliation one of uncomfortability (laughs) but still overall if I had to go back and do it all again if I knew that I would fall and I would get a heat rash would I do it again absolutely okay it was still an amazing trip I think that's just part of life is that nothing is perfect things go wrong you're learning especially when you're in a new environment you're figuring things out and I think that's just part of it um but I I can't really convey that always on Instagram and I never want people to think that I that things just go perfectly because I'm human and I definitely tumble and stumble quite a lot. I don't know. I love to travel so much. However, 
I also love to be home. And this is when we're getting into the other part is that overall in Paris, from the moment we got there, I was like, Noah, I think we're supposed to live in Paris. Even with everything that happened, like even with like little life moments like that, I was like, Noah, I really feel like we should move to Paris. Like it's so calm. It's so quiet. It feels so safe. And I realized I was romanticizing every single aspect of Paris so much. I was doing the dishes one night and I remember almost being in tears. I have a clip of it. Why do I Instagram everything? (laughs) I have a clip. I don't know if I actually posted this one of me doing the dishes and the light was just coming in so beautifully from the window that while I was hand washing these dishes, I filmed a clip and I remember almost like feeling like I was ready to cry because I felt like it was such a magical moment doing the dishes in Paris. And then later on, it hit me. I have a dishwasher at home. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here romanticizing doing the dishes by hand in Paris, even though I have a dishwasher at home. And I was almost something I noticed is that it's pretty common for us to romanticize the things we want, which is very normal. There's nothing wrong with romanticizing the things you want. I think it's beautiful to romanticize a future that you want. However, I think it's very common for us to romanticize what we want and then to kind of I don't like the term demonize, but to kind of demonize, I feel like there's got to be a better term than that, to kind of demonize what we have, even though what we have might be something that we used to want. For example, I've always wanted to live in New York. New York has been my dream. And I was kind of like, oh, well, this is so much better than New York because it's Paris. And I'm romanticizing all these aspects of it while demonizing my home in New York. Now, luckily, by the end of the trip and that like honeymoon phase had kind of like being in Paris, it kind of washed off. I realized I was so excited to go back home and go to New York. And then I started romanticizing New York. And that's when it hit me how important it is to romanticize your life. It is so important to look at the life you love and to romanticize it. It is so important to wake up in the life that you have and think this is the life especially when you think like years ago you probably wanted what you have now so much and maybe you're not where you want to be in life okay maybe you still have other goals but you I'm sure that you have come farther than you than you were last year you know I'm saying like we're always progressing in our lives and we're I guess not always obviously there are times when we feel like we're not but you know I'm sure there are times in your life when you wanted what you have now and there are so many people in the world that want what we have like the amount of people that wish they could live in New York City and afford New York City like that makes me feel selfish when I think about the fact that I just wasn't being grateful and I am so grateful I don't want to feel it seem like I'm coming off as some girl that's not grateful I will always be overly gra- grateful for my life in general Um, it's just that I wasn't thinking of it like that. I wasn't romanticizing it. There have been times when I was like, wow, like, you know, living in New York is a little hard because I, you know, I can't drive anywhere. When years ago, I was like, oh my God, I never want to drive again. I just want to live in New York and take the taxis and the subway for the rest of my life. (laughs) Then I've been like, oh my gosh, it's been so nice in Paris. Like I can do that. Like we could get a car here and drive around and seeing everyone in their little like PT cruisers, not PT cruisers, Mini Coopers. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to drive a Mini Cooper. Like I don't even have my license anymore. One of the first things I did when I moved to New York is I got rid of my license. I mean, it expired, but I did not go and renew it. I went and got like a New York City, like a state ID. Like a lot of people have state IDs here instead of a driving license because not many people, not as many people drive. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do because I don't ever want to drive again. And here I was in Paris like, oh my gosh. I want to drive. I need to get, I need a Mini Cooper. I want to drive around with a, you know, to-go coffee in my car. What? (laughs) 
I'm going to go to all these workout classes I see people coming from. Meanwhile, when have I gone to a workout class here in New York? Right? I was like talking about how I'd spend my days and there's like the shopping area. I think it's called, please, please don't come for me if I say these words wrong. I'm sorry. Um, not Montmartre. We do love Montmartre. But before that, there's another city. Is it Montparnasse? Or is it, it's like it's near there. And it was just filled with shops and all these really stylish people. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would come here all the time and I would shop even if I was by myself as if I couldn't go to Soho by myself. And I realize it, our life is so much of it. Obviously, there are some things without, with, that are not in our control. Some things in my life I cannot control, but there's a lot of things I can. Sometimes I've sat in New York lately and I felt a little lonely because making friends here is hard and it is a lot, very transient city, meaning people like move in and move out. I've made quite a few friends here that have already left, you know, that have moved, um, and that's just kind of part of it. Like, you know, you make friends and then they leave. You make friends and they move to a different part of the city and they're farther away. And then it takes longer to get to them. And that's, it's just part of life. It's part of living, you know, in this city. Um, but I think because of that, I felt lonely and I felt like I couldn't go out and do things. And I noticed that, but it's like, who's to say that would be any different somewhere else? Like, who's to say that I would get somewhere else where, yeah, maybe I'd have more stable friendships, but then I'm sure I would then start missing so many different aspects of New York City. I'm sure if I was like, okay, I'm not going to live in New York anymore because of this or that, I would move somewhere else and be like, wait, I want to go back to New York because of all these other things. And it just shows that sometimes, I don't want to say we as society, because I don't know if you do this, if it's just me, I can focus a lot on the lack sometimes which is something I always preach not to do and it's like I almost didn't realize in this circumstance I was doing because there have been times when I have felt lonely and loneliness is a valid thing it is valid to feel lonely but in Paris I was like oh my gosh I would just take myself out to lunch I would just go read in the park by myself I could easily go walk to Central Park and read a book I could easily just train down to Soho and take myself shopping or go sit at a coffee shop you, wherever you are, if you're like, oh, well, I don't live there, wherever you're at, you could easily go to your local park and just read a book. You could easily go to a local coffee shop or go to your nearest shopping center and take yourself out. But sometimes we think, oh, but where I'm at, it's not good enough to do it. But someone somewhere is wishing they could do just that. And that's the key, is that it all comes down to romanticizing your life. You have to romanticize your life. Someone in the city wants that quiet life in the country. Someone in the country wants the excitement of the city. Someone working hard at their goals right now is ready to have their full-time position. Someone with a full-time position misses that fun hustle phase. Doing the dishes wasn't more magical in a new place like I thought it was when we were traveling. I gave it that magic. I decided that moment was special. And we can do that with any moment. Like you can make your life mean something beautiful right now. I could look at my dishes here in my apartment and think, wow, it's so romantic that I can put my dishes in a dishwasher here versus doing washing them by hand like I was when I was traveling that seemed so magical. How many TikToks have you watched of people doing their daily life of, you know, putting their dishes in the dishwasher, cleaning their countertops, doing a little at-home workout and thought, wow, I wish I had that life. When it's no different than a life you can create for yourself wherever you're at. It's just the magic we give to it. It's just choosing to romanticize those things. Those people are choosing to look at those small moments of their day and make it seem beautiful. 
Because why not? Life is so short and we're constantly, it's constantly changing and evolving. So why not romanticize what we have now until we get to something else? I think sometimes maybe, maybe we feel like it doesn't like, oh, well, if I romanticize my life, then I can't, I won't want more. I won't want to change my life or like, oh, I can't romanticize my life because I want new experiences. It doesn't mean you can't want more. It doesn't have to be, oh, I hate what I have. I need X to be happy. It could just be enjoying what you have while you work for something new. It could be, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm so happy for what I do have. And I try to find the beautiful moments while I work towards another experience. I enjoy this experience while I have it. And then when my life changes and I have a new experience, I'll enjoy that too. That's the thing. Like we can just enjoy each experience as it comes, each phase of life. Like enjoy the working hard. Enjoy the un if you're in your young 20s, enjoying the like I not knowing what you want to do with your life if you don't. I remember feeling so lost back then, and I always look back at those times and think I wish I had just had more fun. Like that is what it was about back then. Like yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but stressing about it didn't help. And I wish I just had more fun and gone out more or just, or just, you know, just let myself chill and just do, be a 20 year old, you know? And, and then, you know, it's like enjoying that part and then enjoying the new jobs and like meeting new people, enjoying the first time you move out of your hometown, that scary feeling because one day it won't feel scary. One day it'll feel comfortable. And we're always, once we're comfortable, sometimes we feel like we're bored. But at one point in time, none of this was comfortable. It was always new. And then it becomes comfortable and we're like, oh, okay, what's next? But if we just learn to enjoy each experience as it comes, life just becomes so much more meaningful. And we get to decide that. Now, it's probably a little easier said than done. I have been reading the book, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay, and I think that has really helped me. I really recommend it. It's a lot, of, a lot about like mindset work and just, you know, the way you talk to yourself, the way you talk about your life. And I've realized how important that is and it's just like the the little things that I think the little things that I've noticed that I didn't romanticize like yeah of course I'm not going to pretend I didn't romanticize my view here in my apartment I I know I have this beautiful New York City view but like the dishes you know I'd be like oh but I'm so tired of doing dishes here oh I'm so tired of cleaning this apartment oh I'm so tired of this but like that's not (laughs) once we move somewhere else that's not going to change it just seems exciting when it's new at first. And that's what I realized is I want everything to feel exciting. Maybe not exciting, but beautiful and magical. And I want to enjoy each experience. I don't want to be here in the winter like, oh, I can't wait till the summer. And then the summer comes and it's like, oh, it's so hot. I can't wait till the fall. You know, the fall comes like, oh, I'm ready for Christmas. And Christmas comes and it's like, oh my God, I'm so over this. I'm ready for my New Year's resolutions. I'm deciding I want to start focusing on the good as much as possible. Of course, I'm human. We're all human. It's, it's, it is easier said than done, but we're going to work on it. I'm holding myself to it because life is too short to just only focus on the bad. And I really feel like, especially if you're trying to do more in your life and maybe you're trying to create abundance in your life, focusing on the bad is just going to tell your subconscious bias that you want to see more bad. So your brain is going to look for more bad. That's how, that's how subconscious bias works is your brain wants you, it wants to try, it trusts you. It wants your reality, reality to match what your, what your beliefs are. So if you're focusing on all the bad things in your environment, it's going to look for more of it because it wants you to be right. So if you start romanticizing the good things, it's going to start finding more of those. And again, of course, there will be times when everything's not perfect, 
But why wouldn't we want to focus on the good if we can? It's a little bit of mental work. It's a little bit of force sometimes, especially if you have gotten really comfortable at focusing on the bad. But I think you can do it. I think I can do it. You can apply the principle of romanticizing our life to so many different things. It doesn't have to just be the dishes. It doesn't have to just be that you romanticize cleaning your house or, you know, it's stuff like that. You can romanticize yourself who you are, your qualities. I learned a lot about that also, and you can hear Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Really good book. I'm really glad I read it. Um, There are some things about it that I didn't love, but overall, I think it's a really wonderful book, and I I mean, I I think I'm going to start recommending it to everyone. (laughs) I think it's pretty life-changing, but um, she talks a lot about mirror work because in the terms of romanticizing your life, sometimes we, we look in the mirror, and we're so mean to ourselves. Like, we pick ourselves apart. However, we look at other people and we romanticize them. We look at people we don't even know. I'm like, wow, I wish I had her hair. Wow, she has such beautiful this. Like, oh, she holds herself with such confidence. While we, we listen to we listen to the way I listen to how, how I talk and I pick myself apart. I'm like, oh my gosh, I ramble so much in this podcast. I said, um, too many times. I pick myself apart. We tend to pick ourselves apart and then wonder why we don't, why we don't feel good. But she talks about mirror work and I have really been loving it of just looking in the mirror and talking to yourself like a friend. Just sit down in front of your mirror and be like, hey, you're doing really good today. I'm really proud of you. Your hair looks great. Oh, I really love that outfit. I think you'd look really cute if you wore this sometime. Like whatever you want to say, just make it nice. Make it romanticizing the person you're looking at and it might feel really cringy. But that's the thing. It should not feel cringy to talk to ourselves in a loving way. Especially considering we tear ourselves apart all the time and we don't really bat an eye. Bat an eyelash. <laughs> we don't bat an eyelash when we're like, oh, you're, you're, you're worthless. Of course you didn't get that job. Oh, you're never going to get that job. You're not good enough for this. So, so-and-so is so much better than we are. She looks so much prettier. Her body's so much better than ours. And we don't even, we don't think that's cringy. We don't think it's cringy that we berate ourselves, but we find it cringy that we want to, that we like are nice to ourselves in the mirror or that we can talk to ourselves lovingly. Whoa. And that comes down to romanticizing ourselves. And she talks a lot about how your self-worth in the end is the number one foundation to your life. And I have realized that is so true because what you think you're worthy of matters if you don't think you're worthy of beautiful opportunities then you will have beautiful opportunities in front of your face and you won't see it or you won't act on it because you won't believe that you're worthy enough meanwhile that opportunity already existed you just didn't think you were good enough to take it and you wouldn't have the opportunity in front of you if you weren't worthy of it and I think it all comes down to how we treat ourselves and how we romanticize ourselves. Like, look at yourself as a main character. You are the main character of your life. You should be romanticized. It should not be cringy to see yourself in the mirror and think, wow, you look, I look great today. Wow, I love my makeup. You're doing great. Instead of, oh my God, like your teeth are a little yellow. Should whiten those. Oh, your hair's looking a little brittle. Like, you know, just think of the way you talk to yourself and ask, like, do I want to focus on the negative things or the positive things? And the more you focus on the positive, the positive is going to expand. So just like romanticizing our life and what we're looking at, we have to romanticize ourselves because we are our lives. 
Like this is ourselves. This is our real home is the body you live in. Like you're going to be with yourself your entire life. Why wouldn't you want to feel happy when you look at yourself in the mirror? And at first when you start this, if you start the mirror work, it's going to feel strange. It might feel fake, but that's okay. Because over time, it's going to feel a lot easier. I actually ordered some sticky notes. They just, they're in my mailbox downstairs. I need to go grab them because she recommended putting like sticky notes on your mirror or writing on your mirror, like little love notes to yourself. So every single time you look at your mirror until you get used to doing it, you see a note from yourself. So you're looking at yourself in your eyes and you see a note that's like, I love you. I love you. Why is it so hard for us to to love ourselves? You know, it shouldn't be. We love other people so easily. We give our love to so many people and to so many things. We deserve our own love so much. I highly, highly recommend that. Try the sticky note thing and start to really focus on romanticizing yourself. Your qualities, the things that you're good at. Instead of thinking all the things that you don't think you're good at, romanticize what you are good at. And then romanticize the things that you're not good at. If you're wanting to, maybe you want to learn how to play piano. And you're like, oh, I don't know how to play. I'm dumb. I'm not going to figure that out. I've thought about that. I've wanted to play piano before. And I remember thinking like, oh, I couldn't, I tried play, like reading music. I tried, I was, well, I was in band um, for, I think it was like a year in middle school. And I wanted to play the flute. And I was last chair or like second to last chair, pretty far back. And I couldn't learn music. And I just gave up and quit. And I was pretty sad because I really actually did want to learn music. I don't think I actually loved the flute too much. I really wanted to like learn how to play. I can't remember what the instrument was, but that's not the point. But the thing is, I couldn't even, I couldn't learn how to read music, but I wasn't really believing in myself. I wasn't going home and trying. I wasn't practicing. Instead, I was like, oh, I can't figure it out. And I would just give up. And I remember later on in my life here at 29, I wanted to learn how to play the piano and I bought myself a little keyboard and I I was thinking like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I couldn't do it before. Why not romanticize learning something new? It's so fun when you watch a show and you see someone start from the beginning, like someone that you know has become like a movie star and you see where they got their start from, like their older movies. You see someone taking acting classes or you, you know, you look back at like a star who's taking, taking acting classes, knowing that now they're like an A-list celeb. Everyone starts from the beginning romanticize that part romanticize learning something new not oh my gosh I'm so dumb that I don't know how to do this well no one else learned how knew how to do it until they learned it either but romanticize the figuring out phase romanticize the new start the trying something new look at it as something fun like oh this is a part the chapter in my life in my movie where I'm learning new things how cool that I take the time to learn new things how cool that I get to learn how to do new things that I get to expand my creativity and my brain and my mind and my life and my hobbies. The way we spin things in our mind completely controls the narrative. Like if your narrative sees that everything, that your life sucks, you hate where you live, you hate the way you look, that learning you just don't know how to do something, then that's how it's going to seem. But if you learn how to spin the narrative of, oh, I love my home. Yeah, one day I want to move somewhere else. But right now, I'm so excited because I love where I live. I'm enjoying this and I'm learning new skills that are going to help me one day get the job where I'm going to make a different type of money than I'm making now and I'm going to live in a new place. Like you can spin it in such a beautiful way. You can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I cannot believe that I get to go on this journey of starting from here and one day ending up somewhere even bigger than I could even imagine. And I get to go on that journey with me. Like the way you spin it can be so beautiful, so fun, so exciting, so movie-like quality. 
it's just up to you. And it can be, like we said this a million times, it can be easier said than done, but there are so many ways to start that. I love scripting. I, I go back to scripting a lot. Even if you aren't big on like manifestation stuff, scripting is not just for that. It's just you can just journal how you want your day to go in a beautiful way, you know, like journal how you want your life to seem like the things that you're already going to do, just romanticize them on a piece of paper and then try and do that throughout your day. Put sticky notes everywhere. Um, when you're making your coffee, think of like, oh my gosh, this is the most wonderful cup of coffee I'm ever going to have right now. And every single time you have a new cup of coffee, you can think like that. Oh my gosh, I get to go into my closet and put together a cool outfit. Oh my gosh, I, you know, this movie is going to, I am sitting on the couch to watch this movie. I'm going to take it all in. And it's going to be a lot of mental work. But if there's anyone that can do it, it's you. That's the thing. You can do it. Um, I know that I have rambled on for about 45 minutes now. And I do just want to say that I am in no way, shape, or form trying to be like toxic positivity. I'm not trying to say that we don't have bad days, that there aren't hard parts of our life, because that's the thing is there's always going to be bad days. There's always going to be bad times. There's always going to be hard times, bad feelings. That's normal. Don't feel like you're, you've like messed up on this romanticizing your life journey if you have a bad day or when bad things happen. Some things just simply are not in our control. But the things that are in your control, if you want to make it more beautiful, why not? So I'm not talking about if someone you know is sick or if you've gone through you know, a traumatic experience, you deserve to feel that. You deserve to validate your feelings and to grieve and to feel normal human emotions. There is a difference between romanticizing your life and toxic positivity. So I do want to say if you are going through something tough, I am sending you so much love and that is valid and you deserve to feel it. Don't feel like if for some reason you were hearing this and you thought you had to romanticize that, I don't want you to take it that way because you deserve to feel your feelings. And sometimes when we try to romanticize things that shouldn't be romanticized, it can leave us, you know, staying in toxic situations too long. Like obviously someone who's in a domestic abusive relationship or household, I would not want them to romanticize that to convince themselves to stay. Absolutely not. I'd want them to fight. I would want them to romanticize their freedom and getting away from that situation. So I love you so much and I just want, I know I justify things a lot. I was telling Noah that sometimes I feel like I justify what I'm saying and I give all these little like, oh, but by the way, I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that. And he was like, you know, I think your audience knows you enough to know that that's not what you're saying. But I'm always going to give these little clarifications, even if, because I would hate for someone new to find me and because you never know what someone's going through. And I, I do, as a creator, feel like there is a you have a big responsibility because I am in someone's ear right now that could be in a tough situation and and I don't want them to take this in a way where they romanticize something painful. Just wanted to explain in case you think that I'm always just like going on these like, oh, by the way, what I mean is this. You know, I just want to make sure I'm taking in everyone into account of what I'm talking about. So I love you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you all next week. Bye.